All right, it was approximately the year 59 AD. 59 AD, where there was a world-changing letter that was written. It was a world-changing letter that was written in the city of Corinth and then hand-delivered by a woman named Phoebe to the city of Rome. I want you to picture this. The Apostle Paul's life has been changed by Jesus, and now he wants to change the world. He's been going from city to city as time and resources have allowed him. He wants the world to know that your life can be lived completely differently if you know who Jesus is. Now, he hasn't made it to the city of Rome yet. He hasn't made it to the city of Rome, so he hasn't preached there. He hasn't planted a church there. But because the Christians are being persecuted, they're scattering all over the known world. And as they scatter, churches are popping up in different areas. And in Rome, there are these house churches. So there is Paul. He's in Corinth, but he's thinking about the church in Rome. And he wants to write them a letter. Now, he wants to write them a letter because he wants to encourage them, but also he's trying to create a path of influence because he wants to visit them really soon. He wants to visit them soon as he's taking Christianity from the east to the west as he heads to Spain. And so he writes this letter, and I want to read a portion of that letter so it can encourage us in the same way it encourages them. So we're going to go to the book of Romans today. All right, if you want to go to Romans, we're going to be in chapter 5. You got your phone, you got your Bibles, you can follow on the screen. We're going to go Romans chapter 5 today. Can I read a portion of this letter once again written while Paul's in Corinth and he has it delivered to the church in Rome. Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope doesn't put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Okay, let's go back to Paul for a second. Why is it so important for him to write this letter to them? Now, if you read the whole letter, you'll see that Paul is giving them the gospel that he has come to know, believe, experience. He's trying to make sure, sure that the truth that he knows doesn't get messed up with all this scattering throughout the world. Because remember, the Bible's not been written yet, right? We're talking late 50s AD. The Bible hasn't been written. All of Paul's letters haven't been written yet. The Gospels haven't been completed yet. If you look at John the Gospel of John, he may not have written it till maybe 90 A.D.-ish. 
But the people have heard about Jesus. They've heard firsthand accounts. Even I wonder if some of the older people in that time would have actually met Jesus. People have come to believe that Jesus is their Savior. And now Paul's trying to help them understand what it means to follow Jesus. How life, once again, can be lived completely different when you follow Jesus. Now, if you read the chapter before this, we were in five, right? If you read right before this in chapter four, you see that Paul talks about being justified by faith. He's letting them know, listen, you have forgiveness in Jesus. This is how it happens. Forgiveness is found nowhere else in this but this one place. And I think now he's wanting them to see, okay, you understand where forgiveness comes from. You understand where justification comes from. Now you can see that when you live in that, you can live and react. You can live and react to life differently. And so he starts out this portion of the letter by saying, therefore, once again, let's go back to it. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. He wants to make it really clear. In Jesus, you are no longer separated from God. What a powerful message. Think about their context where they're sitting. God has been very distant. They have relationship, but it doesn't feel very personal. It's a God they're waiting for, a God that they want. And he's like, listen, in Christ, you are justified, and you can live at peace with God and live in his grace. This is a transformative message. But he doesn't stop there. He says, not only are you at peace with God, but what did he say? We boast, we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Paul is upping the ante right here. Okay, you've got peace with God, no longer separation, but you can boast. You can be confident in who God is and who he is in your life. Listen, if you're going to be cocky about something, if you're going to be proud about something, This is where you boast. Confidence in the glory of God, the presence of God being with him. But then he makes a turn. I think he makes a little language turn right here. And I think he begins to give words of wisdom. Deep words of wisdom. Wisdom that I think maybe for some of us, maybe for some watching today, are the words of wisdom that you've needed the past several weeks, past several months, as you've gone through life. He gives deep words of wisdom here of how you can have peace, how you can have assurance when you live in the grace of God. Verse 3, do you remember what it says? He says, not only so, not only can you boast in the glory of God, but not only have assurance and confidence in your justification by faith, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that sufferings produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. Paul has the audacity. You kind of got to jump into this and picture Paul writing this. He's writing from Corinth to Rome. He has the audacity to tell people when they're at peace with God, living in the grace of Jesus, what can they do now? They can glory or rejoice in their suffering. 
Now, if you've been in the church for a while, this sentiment's not new to you. You've probably heard this at some point. So I don't know how this sentiment hits you in this moment, but can you imagine yourself receiving this letter from Paul? They don't know Paul, okay? They don't know this great apostle Paul that we have come to know is writing a chunk of the New Testament. We don't know Paul. And they don't know Paul. And now he's saying to them, hey, rejoice in your sufferings. I wonder what their first response was. I wonder how they thought when they read these words. Do you imagine maybe they're like, yeah, easy for you to say. Easy for you to say, Paul. It's easy to say, hey, rejoice in the most hard, the hardest times you have in your life. Rejoice in these. It's easy to say from the outside. Haven't we said that before to people? When someone's like, hey, these hard times, they're good for you. They're good. Yeah, it's easy for you to say when you're not going through them. It's easy to say. What if that was their first response? It's easy to say when you're not in the middle of it. It's easy to tell someone just to think positively. Because these people had suffered. Look, in the year 49 AD, the emperor kicked all the Jews out of Rome. Emperor Claudius kicked all the Jews out of Rome. And they couldn't come back to Rome until 54 AD when he had died. I said 59 AD at the beginning. It's actually 57, they think. But they were kicked out, and now they're kind of in those few years coming back. Can you imagine what the culture was like at the time for them coming back? Like, I don't think people were waiting at the front door of Rome with fruit baskets going, hey, we're glad you're back, right? No. Jews would have been at the bottom of the list economically. They would have been at the bottom of the list socially. They would have been at the bottom of the list with respect. The Romans would have made them suffer just deep moments. And so Paul's like, rejoice in your suffering. Yeah. Easy to say, well, you're in Corinth. Look what's happening in Rome. But it's not just, um, think about it, it's not just Jews. Paul's actually primarily writing to Gentiles in this because Gentiles are converting to Christianity, but Jews are as well. But imagine being them because not only do you have Rome against you, if you're Jewish and now a Christian, as a Christian you've got the Jews against you. You're doubling down because they are upset that you're a traitor to their faith and now you're following Jesus. So you're a peg lower now. These people know what suffering is. And Paul is telling them, hey, rejoice in your sufferings. Like, it's almost a moment of like, how dare you? How dare you say that to me? Once again, it's a lot easier said than done. But here's the deal. If anyone has the right or the ability to say this, isn't it Paul? If anyone has the right to say this sentence, isn't Paul? Because Paul's the guy that converted to Christianity, and since then, he's just been going through all kinds of sufferings. He tells in other letters, I've been beaten over and over. I've been imprisoned over and over. I've been shipwrecked on islands as I've gone to try to bring the word of Jesus to people. 
People hate me all over. There's been moments he's had a lot of money and other times he's flat broke. Paul could go on and on and on about life not being easy, but this is where it's powerful. He has a different perspective. Paul looks at life differently. And in this moment, we realize he's trying to pass on this different mindset, this different way to live. He's trying to say, when you're at peace with God, and you live in his grace, you have the ability to rejoice in your sufferings because you realize it's different with us. It's different when you're at peace with God. It's different when you're living in the grace of God. To suffer is completely different. This is what we need to remember. In Jesus, we can experience life, even our suffering moments, with a different kind of mindset. Paul is trying to show us, I've been there. I'm not a guy that says to you, hey, just be positive and not know what he's talking about. He's not a guy that just says rejoice in these sufferings and he has no clue what you're going through. This is Paul. And he's like, I want to change how you think. When we're, at the, when we're in peace with God and living in his grace, your suffering can actually be different. Your suffering can actually be repurposed in a way that's beneficial to your life if you'll change the way you think. Suffering doesn't have to be as negative as it feels in the moment. Because suffering, it produces perseverance. Your perseverance, it can produce character. And then that character that builds, it can produce hope. And so I'm reading this portion of his letter. I'm reading this part of his letter from Corinth to Rome. And I'm like, I think there's another invitation for us. I think there's another invitation. It's going to be the last one for our series. That I think God, through Paul, is telling people, through your hope through your suffering you can hope again in spite of your suffering you can still hope that's the last invitation god is inviting us to hope again i said at the beginning that paul turns and maybe speaks some words of wisdom that we need to hear i don't know what degree of hope you live in today. I don't know your frustration level. I don't know your anger level. I don't know your, like, just what the emotions are saying to you right now. But I think Paul wants to speak to you like he wants to speak to me and he, like he spoke to the church. He says, God's inviting us to hope again. But he is inviting us to hope again in clarity that hope is only found in one place. Hope cannot be found all over the place. Do you know this week is the week, uh, a kind of year anniversary when I announced that our church had officially voted to change the name of our church? This is the week. 
This is the week that we look back and say our church bought into a vision that we want to share with the world where hope is found. It's this week. That hope can only be found in one place. It, hope is, is one and only, is found one and only one per person. Paul's telling us that after you've been forgiven, you've been justified, you have peace with God, you're living in his grace, we can have hope again. But that road to hope is often paved through what? Suffering. That road to hope is often paid through suffering. These early Christians had been through a lot. Life was not easy for them, but Paul's encouraging them to let them know, yes, you suffered, it's real. Yes, you suffered, it's hard. Yes, all your stories, I believe them. But your suffering is paving a way to a place where maybe you need to grow. At the end of that experience, hope will be in your life in a way maybe it never has before. I think that's what he's writing to people in Romans chapter 5. But I want to leave Rome. I want to leave Corinth. I want to go back to us today. What is Paul trying to say to us as Christians in 2021? What is Paul trying to say to us Christians today in this place? I think the first thing's pretty easy is that suffering is always going to be a part of life. You know, do you know this? Suffering is always going to be a part of life. From the very beginning of our scriptures, a reality, a clarity is given to us that when sin entered this world, it broke the world, and the byproduct of sin is going to be suffering. And that means everyone. It means everyone doesn't matter what part of the world you live in. It doesn't matter what you've been brought up with. It doesn't matter what your past experiences are. It doesn't matter what you have or don't have. Everyone has their own version of suffering in their own way. Now, some people may seem like they have more sufferings, but suffering is a reality for all of humanity. I mean, look at this past week. This week, we were reminded of a 10-year anniversary of suffering in this town through a tornado. And I don't know if it was like, for you it was looking at those pictures or videos maybe you saw this week and it brought you back to that season. Like that was suffering on this town, on this community. It's a part of life. There's suffering when you look at sickness all around you. And we're in a season of sickness with COVID. But beyond that, we've got like sickness through cancer. We've got sickness through heart disease. We've got sickness through mental disorder and mental illness. We've got suffering. Our bodies are breaking down. And when we look around and see sickness, it's like we can't avoid suffering. There are relationship sufferings at work, at school, at home. Sometimes in the church, relationships are harsh. Relationships can be harsh because people, how we treat each other. And there is suffering that's involved in our relationships. For others, it's suffering through lack of resources. 
There are people who, who suffer because it's stressful every day just to make ends meet. Or maybe the ends don't get met. And you're constantly worried about, I don't have what it takes. They're, they're suffering through this internal pain that comes from just not finding peace on this earth. Anxiety and fear dominate our lives. And we live with this internal, never-ending suffering because we let these things grab a hold of us. If you read Paul's letters, he's going to tell you, in this world you're going to experience sufferings. John 16, Jesus says that simple sentence, in this world you will have what? Trouble. There's clarity that suffering is part of life. But Paul is here to encourage us. That doesn't seem too encouraging, does it? Like you want me to, let, want me to move on to the next point, right? Like, but suffering's going to be part of life. But Paul's here to encourage us because he says, that's okay. I've been there. That's okay, I know what suffering is. But suffering can be looked at differently because the second one is that suffering produces a perseverance that maybe you didn't have before. I think we all know this, that, that to make it through life, we all need to develop a little endurance, right? To make it through life, we need to develop a, a little inner strength. To make it through life, we need to develop this uh, maturity. That we, need to, we need to develop that, like that, uh, that learning of how to push through when things are tough. You've had these moments, haven't you? If I asked you for your moments, have you had those moments where you just had to grow? Moments where you're stretched, and because of that stretching, there's pain involved. But in the middle of that pain, I think what Paul is saying is something is being developed. In those stretching moments, something is being developed. And it's important, because if you never develop, then you're going to walk through life always looking for ways to quit. Every time you hit a roadblock in life, you'll turn and run or you'll sit in self-pity. And maybe you've had those moments you had to learn from. You've had those moments and you look back and say, yeah, I remember those painful moments. And so I know these moments are tough. Paul knows these moments are tough, but I also believe these can be positives in our life if we change our mindset. That suffering can be positive because when we experience it, it develops a side of us we never had before. And when that happens, what happens next? Our perseverance produces character. Our perseverance produces character in our life. When we persevere, there's a depth to us that was never there before. Paul's like, listen, you got sufferings. Those sufferings produces perseverance, and the perseverance produces a character in a depth that you've never had. When you don't quit, something in you becomes stronger. We develop grit. We develop wisdom. We develop tenacity. We develop leadership qualities. We develop reputation with other people. And I think something else happens in the life of a Christian when perseverance begins to build a 
build character in us. When we give our life over to the Holy Spirit, I think at this moment, the character that's developed is the character we see in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul says, hey, you'll start seeing the fruit of the Spirit. If you remember his words, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. It's a pretty good character trait. The fruit of the Spirit is joy. That can be developed. The fruit of the Spirit is peace, and it's patience, and it's kindness, and it's goodness, and it's faithfulness, and it's gentleness, and it's self-control. God wants to produce a character in us because he has more for us to experience personally, but he then also has more for us to do in the lives of others. But if we can't, uh, but we can't do that in the lives of others if our character is not growing. I think he wants to use us in powerful ways in other people's lives, but how can he use us in other people's lives? If we don't have a depth of character to give away, we only have the character of wisdom to give away when it's been built up in us. We have the character of encouragement when that character's been built up in us. We don't have anything to give away unless God begins to produce that in our lives as we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit. Producing character in our lives is valuable and, in, and super important. But to be honest, in the end, God wants to take us to the ultimate place. In the end, he wants us to experience something that he has for us that we want for ourselves. As suffering produces perseverance, stretching, painful, but a growth that perseverance develops character. And all of a sudden you have a depth of something in you you didn't have before. Not only is it for yourself, but you can give it away. The last piece of this Paul wants to give to people who are struggling in life. Struggling to find, like, am I ever going to get through this? Struggling to find the next. He says, your character, it's going to produce hope. Because he knows what people want back then is the same thing we want today. It's hope. Because we've all had suffering moments. And isn't it hope that gets us through? We've all had suffering moments, but doesn't it change when we have a glimmer of hope? Do you know why the people you look up to often have hope when you don't? It's because they've been through some tough times in life. You look around and go, how can they be so hopeful in these difficult times? It's because they've been through it before. It's not their first rodeo, that's what they say, right? They've been through it before. Like, I tell you this all the time. I love being part of a multi-generational church, right? I tell you this all the time. I love being part of a church where people come from different backgrounds and different experiences. I love these because we get to learn from each other. I want you to know this. I want you to know this. I was having a conversation with someone this past week, and after last week's message, she's like, I don't know what I have to give. 
But very quickly, she came up with an answer because God had been speaking to her. And I'm like, yeah, you've got a lot to give. I don't care if, if you feel like I'm older now. What do I have? You've got a lot to give. If you're part of this church, I want to talk to a group of people. If you're part of this church and you feel like you're part, you may not feel like it. So if you feel like you're part of the older generation, I need to tell you, I love your part of this church. We need you. Because you've been through some things. You've been through some things. And I want to tell you that I, I just, I'm so thankful that you're patient and you're passionate about the church and where we're going to God, living out the mission for our church to reach people who have not experienced His love yet. I'm thankful that as things change over time and you've been through lots of changes and lots of places in your life, but you're still encouraging of whatever we need to do to reach people, let's do that. I'm thankful for that. Because you've been through lots of changes and you could say, no more. I just want things to stay the same. But you're like, no, God's doing a new thing through our church. And thank you for being selfless and encouraging I love your part of this church, part of my life, because you've been through things in life and you've come through the other side and you have a hope that maybe sometimes I don't. I love spending time with people who have lived because there's some depth of experience. I personally couldn't tell you the amount of times that people have encouraged me by saying, Scott, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Scott, it's going to be okay. The church is going to be okay. Your life is going to be okay. We've seen things. Scott, it's okay. When you've been through suffering, it produces perseverance that's needed. And when you give your life to God and you give yourself away to the Holy Spirit, He begins to produce a character in you. But the best thing that comes from this is that our character leads us to a place of hope because you realize on the other side of these moments that God never left in the middle of the suffering. That's what I learned from people who've been through life. God never left them in their suffering. I learned that God was uh, working even when we didn't see it. I learned from people who have hope in their life because the character is built that God provided when it was needed at the right time. I learned that God has always kept his promises. Are there people in this room that you've been through? Are there people at home right now, you've been through things, and you can say that about life, that God never left you in your suffering? God was working when you didn't see it. God provided when it was just the right time. That God always keeps his promises. I love when there's a hope and a confidence I love that God wants to produce a hope and a confidence in us so that we can believe the scriptures when they say this. I want to read some scriptures for you this morning. 1 Peter 5.10 And the God of all grace 
who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. After you have suffered a little while, while him, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. You know what that is? Hope. That's hope. I'm going through something and Peter tells us, hey, after you suffered a little while, will himself, he will restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. When you've been through something, when your character is built, you have a hope in that verse. But Romans 8, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who've been called according to his purposes. God is at work, whether you see it or not, for your good, for his purposes. Psalm 23, 4. David writes, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Isn't that a person with deep character because they've been through things and say, this is who God is. And then the last one, Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, then who can be against us? Aren't these hopeful words of what can be? And so uh, that's where I want to end today, that I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what you've been through, are going through, will go through. But I know that if you're suffering, life isn't fun right now. That your suffering is very real, it is valid. And you don't have to act like it's nothing. Suffering is part of life. It is hard. But also I know that God can turn our suffering into hope if we let him. We don't have to run from our suffering. Maybe we would have the audacity to talk like Paul talked to the early church and say, even in my suffering, I can rejoice because I live at peace with God and I'm living in his grace and at the end of the day if God is for me who can be against me we need hope don't we do you need some hope today on the year anniversary of what happened in this church of changing our name to one hope may I declare that same vision and truth that I spoke to you last year about is the same thing I want to speak today you have the potential to experience hope no matter what you're going through but it's found in one place you can't run around and find hope randomly in Jesus in his death and resurrection, you've been saved. You are no longer separated from God. You can live in the grace of God. And in your suffering, it will produce something in you. And the end game is there is hope for you in him. And so if you're wrestling with that today, may we take a moment just to pray together that this would become a reality in your life. Can we pray? 
Heavenly Father, if there are people in this room, there are people online today that feel hopeless. May your presence be so powerful that the hope of you invades their life. God, may there be a boasting or a confidence in your presence in our lives. God, maybe there's people today that they're floundering and they're like, I have no hope because I don't have Jesus. Then maybe today can be an opportunity. You can just say, God, I want this hope that comes with Jesus. And we just give our life to the one hope. Heavenly Father, if there's anybody watching, anybody in this room who's not given their life to Jesus, not found their hope in Jesus, may they just declare, hey, God, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me that I've made life about me. I believe that you're the only place where hope is found because you died on the cross and gave your life for me. And I want to give my life to you so I can live in that hope. But God, maybe there's people in this room who know you, but have forgotten the hope they have in you. May you restore today. May you speak a powerful word over them. May your presence overtake their soul. God, in this moment, will you just let them know that you've not left them, that you see them in their suffering. God, that you want to restore them. You want to make them steadfast and firm and strong. That, God, you do provide when it's needed. But, God, you're going to stretch our faith so that our character can be built so we can live in that hope. But, God, help us to turn to you today. And, God, will you be the God of hope that you promised you would be? God, meet us where we are today. It's your name we pray. Amen.